Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Well, I am so happy to see you today. And uh, the words of the psalmist are ringing in my heart. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That's an invitation to celebrate what God has done. Because He has done great things. That's what the Scriptures declare, right? And you know what? He's not done yet. (laughs) That's the good news for all of us. He is not done yet. Turn with me this morning to 2 Timothy. We'll be in uh, chapter 1 and verse 9. And uh, while you're turning there, I just want to celebrate the ministry that has flowed uh, in our services the last couple of weeks. You know, I don't think I've ever not been behind the pulpit for three Sundays in a row. It felt kind of weird, but I tell you, I was receiving and celebrating what God is doing. In fact, somebody said, you know, why, why did it kind of come together that way? Well, lots of things converged, but here's, here's the heart. And I'm going to tell you something that I believe you already know. We have a phenomenal staff, and we have incredible leadership in this place. And I believe you need to hear their voices. <laughs> so, you know, sitting back and watching Eric bring the word to you, watch Pastor Patrick bring the word to you, Joe and Anne Marie last Sunday bringing the word to you, it was rich. And it was good. And um, I feel a sense of stewardship in relation to what God is doing in the lives of our staff and our leadership. Because I know that the Lord does not want it to be confined to this place. And we're seeing staff members in their 20s and their 30s and those who have walked with the Lord who have immense amounts of wisdom to share doing it. And are we not encouraged? (laughs) And um, I'm grateful to God, you know, that uh, I can be gone and know that uh, things are going to be handled and handled well. You know, Pastor Sprecher used to say that. And I didn't really fully appreciate uh, the value of those words until... Um, you're at the top of the food chain (laughs) and you get the phone calls when you're out of town when it doesn't go well you know and you know what that doesn't happen so thank God for that and uh, we celebrate what the Lord has been doing these last few weeks and I just believe that as we uh, we dive into what we're going to look at this week and we get into uh, the next few weeks you know the Lord is going to just carry on that work and build his church because we live in exciting times Can I just be honest with you for a moment? I would not want to live in any other moment but this. (laughs) I hear a lot of people that want to check out quick and disengage, and I am like, no way. (laughs) God is doing incredible things. And it may look like the world is going down in a blaze of glory, but you know what? In the middle of it, The kingdom is advancing. I was 
with a number of pastors this last week, and what I'm hearing across the board, no matter what town they came from, is that more people are responding to the gospel and it's easier to talk to people than it has been in a long, long time. <laughs> I, I don't want to live in any other moment but this one. And I think our text kind of um, sheds a little bit of light and defines the moment that we're in to some degree. So I want to read it and then uh, we'll pray and dedicate the remaining time that we have to God. But as uh, we read this together, let's open our ears. First, our Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. I'm actually going to steal the last word from verse 8 because it's God. God has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So this section of Scripture is one that's been preached through many times, and I don't know that I've ever just taken that one verse and focused on it. And, and as I did that this week, it was refreshing because there was just new stuff being drawn out of it. So let's just pray for what the Lord wants to show us to be revealed and that we have ears to hear what God is speaking to us this morning. So would you bow your heads with me in prayer, both here and at home. Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. It's powerful. It's alive. It's active. It transforms us. It renews us. It fills us. And Lord, we pray that You would minister, Lord, through Your Word in these ways. And we thank You, Father, that You are with us. We thank You, Lord, that You have not left us alone, but rather there is an identity in You that is unlike anything else in the world. And we choose it today. So Lord, this moment is a sacred moment. Lord, it's one that we've been anticipating all week long because we get to break the bread of Your Word together. So Lord, be with us. And we thank You for it now. In Jesus' name. As I look at verse 9, I size it up in this way. It is both liberating and it is transformational. It's liberating and it's transformational because... It affirms our identity in Christ, and it answers one of the most significant questions that we have to deal with in this life. question that goes something along these lines, do I belong? Is there a place for me? Am I accepted? You know, life has a way of putting us into moments that, that feed those questions in a negative way. I, I'm drawn back to some experiences as a younger student, and, and I remember being in elementary school. And one of those, those things that gets to happen when you become a big kid, you know, you, 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 you kind of anticipate it, you look forward to it, is you get to eat in the cafeteria. You know, and you look forward to it because you don't eat mom's bologna sandwich anymore. You know, uh, there's, there's, there's cafeteria pizza and there's other options. And you just kind of see that it's almost like a rite of passage. And then as you grab, grab, grab that tray the first time and you enter into that cafeteria that has all of your peers in it, there is this incredibly challenging situation that faces you. And it is, where do I sit? 
You know, so you scan the room and, and you look for friendly faces. You look at who's making eye contact with you, who's maybe responding to you with a smile, and you walk up to that table and you hope and you hope and you hope that the table's not full and that they make room for you. And then you walk up to it and somebody kind of slides over and they take up more space than they need to. And they look at you and they go, you know what, you need to find another place. significant same thing happens on the playground doesn't it it's recess you're at the basketball court the baseball diamond maybe you're going to play you know a pickup game of football in a field and teams have to get divided and here's everybody that's going to play and there's two captains and then they start making their choices you know and only two people can be a first round draft choice and everybody else has this incredibly difficult moment to navigate because the worst of it is you're completely rejected and not wanted oh you take jared and i'll take those other two or at best you're just being tolerated you know not not necessarily wanted but tolerated you know and, and because of that you know these these identity questions of you know, do I belong? Is there a place for me? Am I accepted? Are things that we take into adulthood? And, 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 and Paul is reminding us of a significant truth. That when you are in new Christ, you have a new identity, and there is a new reality that answers those questions in a completely different way. Because he says this, when you are saved, you are called. It's not an exclusive thing. It's not just for a particular group of people within the body of Christ, but rather it is a promise that is made to every person who puts their faith in Christ. When you do that, you are called. In other words, you are accepted. You belong you have a family. There is a place for you in the family of God. Now, why is he writing that? He's writing it because Timothy is a very human figure. He's been raised up under Paul's ministry. He's about ready to uh, you know, take over a pastorate and, and exercise leadership in a local community. And Paul is writing these words to him to affirm him and to strengthen him, to build him up, to prepare him, to live out the calling that is in front of him. And, and just a few verses before, he says, you know, God's not given you a spirit of fear. And the reason why he had to do that is because there was this apparent tendency within Timothy to be reluctant to step up and to take heavy responsibility. Because he was looking at it through the lens of his own natural ability and not God's ability to supply his every need. You see, that's the verse that Anne read to us to open the service from 1 Peter. I've made that my life verse. You read my life verse. Every year the board does a review. I get this 20-page packet with questions to fill out. And the first question is always this. You know, sum up your ministry and calling in a sentence. And I quote that verse every year. And I wait for them to say, hey, you did that last year. They don't. And it's because of this. It reminds us that as we serve God, 
There is a grace that comes upon us, but there is also a strength that is supplied. That when we step into what God has called us to do, we don't have to look within and say, well, I have the ability or I don't have the ability to do that, but rather we have to look up because we serve a God who supplies a strength that can only come from Him. And that is what Paul is wanting Timothy to understand. That you are going to be given everything that you need to do what you are called to do. But for our purposes today, I want to just simply remind you there is a call upon your life. And it's not just a call. It's a holy calling, he says. And, and, and there's, a, there's a distinction there. It's a, it's a distinction in the sense that holy calling is something that only God can give. You, you, you see, your, your boss might want to put a calling upon your life. An educator might want to put a calling upon your life. A coach might want to put a calling upon your life. But God Himself is the only one that can put a holy calling upon the lives of His people. And because of that, the calling that rests upon the church is one that must be treasured. It must be esteemed. And it must be elevated above everything. Because it is holy and it is from God Himself. And because it comes from God, it cannot be fueled by in any worldly means. I feel like the, the Lord is calling the church back into that reality right there. That our calling cannot be fueled by worldly means. You know, Paul says to the church in Corinth, I didn't, I didn't come to you with eloquent words, but I came to you in power. And that's not like this boastful thing, like, hey, look at me, aren't I strong and good? But no, it's a recognition of how God ministered through him to the people, and it was different. The psalmist said, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. We could say today that in relation to the body of Christ, some have trusted in worldly things, perhaps. Maybe like production, maybe like technology. I feel like God is bringing us back to the place where he's saying, you know what? Operate under my holy calling that lifts high the name of Jesus so that all men might be drawn unto him. And you know what? That can happen on a street corner. It can happen in a barn. It can happen in a building just like this. It's a holy calling. Now, I, I want to remind you th about this in relation to holy calling. We have a tendency to look at holy calling as you know, something that is a to-do. Like, what am I called to do? oftentimes is the question that I get asked. And, and, and there is that, that side of calling that is you know, effort and time and energy and sacrifice. But we cannot put our focus completely on that part of the equation. Because the holy calling that rests upon your life is not just so that you can do something, but it is also so that you can know your Savior more. Here's the deal. When we sit on the sidelines and we observe 
and we just watch and we celebrate what is going on in other places and, 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 and through other people. We are still in relationship with Christ, but, but we are not in relationship with Him to the level where we are clinging to Him and trusting Him for what we need to fulfill the calling. Because you know what? When you step in to what God wants you to do, you see God in a completely different light. Let me put it this way. Calling is not just the work that you do, but it facilitates the work that He does in you. It's two different things being accomplished when we say yes to our holy calling. And, and maybe you say this morning, like, I'm not in that place. You know, the idea of, of, of walking out a calling is just almost more than, than you can handle, more than you can even think right now. You're, you're kind of in this moment where it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just surviving. I want to get through today. I want to get through this service. I think that's precisely why we're where we are this morning. I, um, I'm the kind of person where sometimes the Lord has to say something to me more than once before I get it. I know I'm the only one in the room like that, okay? But for whatever reason, you know, I can be over there and I'll hear it and I'll be over there with somebody else and I'll hear it again. And then maybe by the second or third time, I'm like, oh, hey, that sounds familiar. I had that experience this week. So Monday, right here in the sanctuary, we hosted a, we called it a regional convention for the Fellowship of Christian Assemblies. And it was our churches in Wisconsin and our churches in Illinois coming together and that same meeting happened in five other regions because we were unable to be in San Diego, California for our convention this year for the second year in a row. So we had some pre-recorded stuff. We had time of worship. We had time of discussion. We shared lunch. We had 55 plus pastors here and then 35 to 40, I think, was the number of missionaries and, and other people from uh, out of the, the states uh, that had tuned in at some points. And it was a good, good meeting. As we kicked it off with worship, Nathan Rohde from Madison was leading and we were entering in and then someone had a word and he shared a word. And the word was basically something along these lines. The, the journey that we have experienced over the last year has kind of created this situation where there are just kind of some things that have uh, attached themselves to some of you. And the Lord wants to break them off. And He cited specifically two things. Because of the year that you have had, 
you feel regret. You know, you look back at something and you say, I, I, I wished I would have done something different. I, you know, I, I, I wish that you know, I would have had a little bit more wisdom in that moment. And you, know, you look back at a conversation, a situation, a relationship, whatever it is, and you have regret. And then the other one was frustration. That there's a frustration that has carried forward from the days that we have just gone through that are kind of occupying the heart. And he said, in this moment, in this time of worship, the Lord is wanting to break off regret and break off frustration. So we opened the altars. They were filled. People were praying for one another. And I said to myself, that's like the third time I've heard that in a week. So why are we talking about holy calling today? It's because that is not just a reality that pastors in our area are experiencing, but you're experiencing the same thing too. That as you come through all of the garbage that we have gone through over the last 14 months, there is something that has become common in your daily life in the form of frustration or regret and the Lord would say to us today that I have not just given you an ordinary calling but I have given you a holy calling one that is from him and from him alone and because of that he wants to break those things off your life but here's our response we can't embrace them we can't just accept them as normal because it is not our identity in Him. He wants your frustration. He wants your regret. He wants your shame to be broken off. And today the Lord is reminding us through the words of Paul that when we are saved, we receive a holy calling. One unlike any other. And let me just say this about the moment that we find ourselves in. Everyone is trying to figure out how to respond to it. And universally, I believe that we should all be responding with urgency. I get a lot of emails, a lot of phone calls, a lot of conversations that are saying, you know what? Wow. Time is accelerating. Things are moving rapidly. Prophecy is being fulfilled. Things are coming together that we never thought we would maybe see in our lifetime. And you know what? The appropriate response for the church is this. It's urgency. Because that being true means that time is running short. Our calling is a holy calling. We've got to rise above. Be the church for this hour. Proclaiming the gospel and bringing the kingdom. So you say, I don't think I'm quite at that place. I want to talk to you for a moment about how to change the way you see yourself. Because the way that you see yourself has an awful lot to do with what you will say yes to. It's, it's, it's why uh, as Gideon is, is hiding in the pit 
and is called out in, in the terms of mighty man of valor, valor, he looks around and says, who else is in this hole with me? You know, before the Lord could raise him up out of that pit, he had to begin to change his identity a little bit. And you know, that is a daily part of our walk. You know, may it be said of all of us that we are much different today than we were a month ago. Right? Because isn't there a growth and a maturity that is to be a part of following Him? But if you just look at yourself in the mirror and say, here's a person that can't do it. You are parroting words that are not from your Creator and your Savior. And we, we, we see the way that we can undo some of those self-perceptions. We see it in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Let me read this to you. But we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Paul says every time you open this book, it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> and as you look in that mirror, it speaks to you. He says it transforms you. It changes you. And what it does is it gives you the truth that you need to change your self-perceptions. Whether they be things that you've spoken over yourself or things that someone else has spoken over you, the Lord says to us when we look at His Word, be who I say you are, not who, what, not who everybody else says you are or who you think you are. And there is this process of daily deliverance that takes place when we look to the Word of God. And that daily deliverance causes us to, to walk in uh, the, the, the identity of what it means to be His. A new creation. So if you're wrestling with those kinds of thoughts that, that just says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm no good and I have no value and I have no place to belong... The counsel of Scripture to you this morning is this. Keep looking in the mirror. Don't turn away, but keep looking in the mirror. Because it transforms us. And it re reveals not only the truth of God's Word, but it reveals the truth of what God is doing in you. Because we not only have a holy calling, we are His workmanship. Go ahead and put Ephesians 2, 8-10 through 10 up there. Reading verses 8 and 9, they take me back to the sunlight days and the Awana days. Every, every child memorized it. We recited it as a way to open the Wednesday night program almost every week. Receive it into your heart again this morning. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, 
lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I kind of had this uh, redefined in my mind a little bit as I dug into it this week. Because this word workmanship kind of always created this uh, image in my mind of God manufacturing something. Okay, it's, it's, it's kind of like uh, the potter and the clay imagery that Paul uses where you know, God is, is, is forming us and fashioning us and creating something, manufacturing something. And you know what, there is that part of it, but there is another part that I don't know I had ever really seen before, and if I had, at least not very deeply. Because it's not only referring to God creating something, manufacturing something, it's referring to God writing a story. You see, the Greek word for workmanship, and I'm going uh, to pronounce it the best I can. Greek is a dead language. Koine Greek is. There are still Greeks in Greece. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, it was like 24 years ago or 25 years ago I took this class. But when I say it, there may be an English word that comes to mind. It's poema. Poema. And we get the English word poem from the word poema workmanship so the implication is this as we embrace holy calling as we walk in it as we follow our savior <laughs> he is he is not just manufacturing something but he is he is writing his poem his story which is a creative masterpiece and and then it reveals to all of creation, His power and His beauty through you. So God is forming and fashioning and creating something, but as He does it, He's telling a story. And He's telling it to all of creation to the degree that it reveals that He's the only one who can do this. Now, I'll confess, poetry has not been a big part of my life. I, you know, I, I, I took the classes, I, I read the Psalms, but um, when we celebrate you know, my wife's birthday, the gift buying is the easy part. Writing in the card is what takes the time. I'm not a poet. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, I'm, I feel better now. I'm not the only one because there's a lot of this going on right now. <laughs> and as I thought about this idea of God writing a poem through the story of our lives that reveals Him as all-powerful, redeeming, I thought, you know, it is a little bit different than what we're used to in this world because a poet when they put pen to paper, they are merely articulating what they have 
observed or felt. But when, when God writes the story of your life, He can create and orchestrate whatever is required to tell the story the way that He wants to. So when it comes to poetry, God is in a category all by Himself. Because man just describes. And God has the power to do whatever is necessary. We are His workmanship. And this is the story that our lives are telling. He gives beauty for ashes. He takes the lost and He gives them a place to belong. He takes the broken and He heals them. He takes the sinner and He redeems them. And in telling that story, He tells all of creation, I will make them My church, My bride, and My people. A masterpiece. Why don't you just say that right now? I am his masterpiece. I'm going to say it again because I want, I want you to really go home with it today. I am his masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. There is so much more to say. I'm a little rusty. It's been three weeks. <laughs> Let me talk for just a minute about how you discover what He wants you to be. What is the theme and the topic of your story? We won't read it, but Romans 12, 1 through 8 really just draws to our attention some points that kind of helps us answer that question. How do I discover what God wants me to be? Some have called Romans chapter 12 the crown jewel of the New Testament. Because in the, in the first 11 chapters, you know, Paul is dealing with you know, how God is going to save the nation of Israel and the Gentiles and the lengths that he has gone to do that. And then in verse 12, or rather in chapter 12, Paul kind of shifts gears and he says there is, there, there is a reasonable response to those mercies of God. And he begins this. The right way to respond to God's mercies and the way to begin to answer the question, 
how do I know what He wants me to be is this. Put your body and your life on His altar. See, we all put our lives on an altar. The altar of career. The altar of success. The altar of of, of financial security. And Paul says, if you claim Christ as yours, your life begins by putting it on His altar. And holding nothing back. And it's, it's not just a salvation altar kind of a thing, but it is a part of following Him because the altar of God is the kind of altar that sanctifies what is placed upon it. In other words, what, what, what that means is it purifies it, it sets it apart, it transforms it, it changes it. It refines and brings forth the things that are good and it burns away the things that need to be burnt away. And that's ongoing in all of us. So how do I know what He wants me to be? You know, we begin to answer that question by daily making ourselves His. Putting Him at the center. Because that renews our minds, He says. That there's a transformation that has to take place within us, mentally and in our thinking. And putting yourself on the altar it facilitates that process. Because when we surrender, God moves in. He doesn't leave you empty. He fills that space. And Paul says, the mind that has been renewed knows the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. What does that look like? The goodwill of God is this. God never wills anything evil for His children. He is for us and not against us. The acceptable will of God is described like this. The more you discover it, the more you are pleased with it. <laughs> Every step you take, you are more and more convinced God's plans are not only good, they're acceptable. And then as we see that kind of transformation beginning to take place within our minds, we find our place and we know our calling by doing this. Exercising the measure of faith that you have been given. Here's, here's a kingdom principle. Here's, here's the principle. And I'm not going to take much time to unpack it, but it will, it will, I think, put this point in perspective. When you walk in faith, when you walk in the faith you have been given faithfully, 
God will increase your faith. When you walk in the faith that you have been given faithfully, God will increase your faith. The scripture says, don't despise the days of small beginnings. It may look insignificant in the natural, but when we exercise the measure of faith that we have been given, there is a spiritual work that is being done that is more significant than you can see. A few weeks ago, Hannah graduated from Bible college and doing the commencement uh, service, and it was just a great celebration. Same school that I went to, so it was kind of, I hadn't been there since my commencement graduation ceremony. But, you know, the week of getting ready for that reminded me of, you know, how many of my classmates didn't go into ministry. And I began to think, you know what, that's not an entirely bad thing. Because I remember the conversations in the cafeteria that were like, you know, somebody prophesied over my life, and I'm going to be in front of tens of thousands of people, and God's going to use me in a mighty way. But you know what? They wouldn't take out the trash. They, they had faith for this grand vision, but did not live faithfully in the moment. Rock Church, we're called to be faithful in the moment with the faith that we've been given. You know, because in doing so, the Lord prepares us. And I'll just say this. We have the, these kinds of conversations with our staff all the time, but if, if anyone ever comes on our staff and they're not willing to take out the trash, you know, there's going to be conversations that we're going to have because it doesn't reflect the heart that is common here, which is a servant's heart. And finally, and I'll do this in two minutes, Don't start the watch yet. <laughs> how, do you, how do you discover who God has made you to be? Put yourself on the altar, renew your mind, exercise the faith you've been given, but then recognize that you are a part of a body. Because that's what he says. We can't find fulfillment on our own. Fulfillment comes when we find our place in the body. There are many members, but one body. Not all have the same function, but all are necessary. And when I went home last Sunday after Mother's Day, the celebration that was in my heart was how the body worked together to honor our moms. Joan and Marie spoke. Deb and Lisa and Mary Lynn worked behind the scenes. Others came alongside of them. Carolyn and Pastor Marty and others just, you know, got the music together. And, you know, it wasn't anybody saying, look at me, look at me. 
but it was everybody saying, you know what? God has given me a gift and an ability. I'm going to share it. And when it came together, it came together in a way that was whole and complete and life-giving. And here's what, here, here is um, the byproduct of that. Grace is dispensed. When we find our place in the body, grace is given away abundantly. Seven, eight, six, seven, and eight in that uh, Romans 12, you know, Paul starts to talk about the charisma gifts, gifts of healing, gifts of word of knowledge, things of that nature. The Greek word for charisma is a derivative of the word grace. So here's, here's the picture. We must find our place in the body because when we do, God's grace is dispensed through us as we serve him. Where our natural ability ends, God's strength and power are revealed. So don't seek the gift. Seek your place. Because your calling is holy. You're his workmanship. He is writing a story for all of creation through your life. And you know what? You belong. You have a place. You are accepted. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life, and we hope that you'll join us in person for a service soon. Our service times are on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock. God bless you.